He needs to do that whole uh, Johnny Mandel thing, perhaps. Uh, but we'll see. What, do loads <laughs> of coke and stop playing football? So hello and welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views and overreactions to all things NFL. We're coming to you uh, after a weather delay now, going to look through a couple of the games from last week. We're going to take some questions from the listener, a lot of news from around the league because we've got two weeks of it for you. And then we're going to pick our games for this upcoming weekend. So hey, we've got Connor here, we've got Harry yeah. and we've got Ronan. Hello. How's yourselves, lads? Any crack? Oh, not too much off work this week, which is nice, uh, especially after yeah, our hurricane delay. Yeah, so, we, had a, uh, we had a bit of a weather uh, incident here in Ireland where uh, the whole of the country got shut down for a day and a half by the hurricane. Um, so yeah, it's grand, just relaxing, catching up on sleep, watching the football. Very good. Waking up at 4.30am for a piss just in time to see my fantasy team lose. Mm. You know, the, the usual. I was, I'd say one thing I did really enjoy, we're not going to mention from this week's games, but I want to get it out there. I think we witnessed the worst fourth down play since... Since that cult swinging gate thing. Oh, is this the, the, the attempt on 4th and 28 or whatever? No, this was the attempt on 4th and 3 by the Colts, where they... 4th and 3, they took a timeout. They then managed to fuck up the clock management so that they were, like, panicking to snap the ball with two seconds left. Called a sneak from the shotgun, and Jacoby Brissett just sort of fell over. Oh, yeah. It was extremely sad. Because there was, there was a similar one in the in the cheese game, I'm sure we will actually maybe discuss it later on, where... Um, on the similar spot, they were fourth and three. They decided to do a direct snap to an empty backfield car, even though he's just after a back injury, uh, which he promptly just fell on the ground. And then, uh, yeah, it was very confusing. Safe option. Uh, so, so, what about yourself, Ronan? How's tricks down in Cork? Yeah, so uh, you were aware last week I was in Luxembourg. It's very, very avoiding, nice. avoiding all of the storm. Yeah, it was 20 degrees, nice sun, not too hot for us Irish people, so it's all. Altogether, very interesting. Now, I did spend most of it indoors learning about sample size and meta analysis, but you can't have it all. Uh, and then over the last weekend, uh, met up with uh, our mutual friend, Connor Shane. He seemed to be in good form. Uh, Excellent. It was his birthday, so you had a couple of drinkies. Yeah, same old, same old. You know how it is. So, yeah. late nights there. Survived in the end, so I, I'm really tired this week, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I just got my uh, I got my, my materials landed into work now for the Masters course I'm starting, so I'll be doing a bit of that. And uh, doing a few other bits and pieces during the week. So hopefully now I need to get a bit of sleep myself. Quite tired. But we have a lot of news to get through because we missed last week. So let's try and fly through. Uh, we'll kick off with trades, extensions, signings, cuts, all that kind of stuff. Just breaking news today. Miami have released cornerback Byron Maxwell. Uh, we would expect a player of his level to have some interest in his services. Although he's probably getting paid too much for what he was doing there. And from the reports that we're hearing out of, uh, out of Miami headquarters... He was doing a little bit of his own interpretation of what the defensive uh, calls were uh, as playing off when he was told to play man and things like that. Uh, Fitz, I'll come to you on this because you, your team have a bit of a connection to this guy. Uh, I presume we expect he's going to land somewhere and land somewhere rather quickly, right? Yeah, so I think what happened here is they have a situation that obviously he was signed initially by the Philadelphia Eagles after that uh, Super Bowl loss for Seattle on an extremely generous contract, albeit the money was mostly backloaded and wasn't guaranteed. Uh, and then obviously he was traded by Philadelphia to Miami in the kind of whirlwind summer of trading put together by Howie Roseman around the same time they drafted Carson Wentz, which is looking fine in retrospect uh, based on where things stand right now. You recognize what he is. He's a cover tree. He's a zone defender. If you put the game in front of him, he's an extremely effective player at shutting down uh, opposing uh, wide receivers. But if you expect him to play man, he doesn't really have the flexibility to play that. 
So I think if a team who comes from, like, probably most likely it's the Seahawks defensive coaching branch has a bit of money like lying around, then I expect that they'll pick him up pretty quick. So good candidates will probably be Oakland, where Ken Norton Jr. is from the Seahawks branch, or Jacksonville, which obviously has the Seahawks connection, and San Francisco, Salah, is also from the Seahawks. Thing. So I think, you know, there's so much kind of Seahawks DNA in defensive uh, coordinators around the league. I'm sure he'll get picked up soon. I think it's just a matter of whether... They'll try and Google like whether they give him a lot of money up front to do it on a kind of one year rental point of view, or someone's actually willing to give him a, a longer term contract talking two or three seasons. Uh, I expect it'll probably be the former, uh, but he'll get a decent chunk of change uh, to see if this was just an aberration due to the kind of changing circumstances he's had to put up with over the last couple of seasons. I'll be very interested to see where his price point comes in at because I think there are a number of contender teams who would be interested in him if he was cheap enough and it depends on where at 29 having already gotten one or two decent pay deals that maybe he might be interested in taking a cheaper one and, and popping too because I think like the Patriots the Chiefs any of them could probably do with a bit of help in their secondary to try and shore up what are currently yeah. not fully functional defences it's just a matter of, of matching scheme and price scale uh, San Francisco released uh, Navarro Bowman and he was immediately snapped up by Oakland on a one year three million dollar deal and uh, San Francisco have uh, subsequently signed Dayton Jones actually I said it was quite interesting uh, Navarro Bowman kind of hopped directly into this Oakland team he was taking the defensive calls in the game on the Thursday night four nights after he had been signed by them which is a very quick uh, movement in but also shows a lot of faith in the player right yeah absolutely I mean look it's Navarro Bowman he's a little past what he used to be and obviously he never I think fully came back from that devastating knee injury he had mm-hmm. but he's still a very good player and like there was some, some weirdness in San Francisco but at the end of the day it seemed like it was genuinely a mutual thing. Like, he wanted to leave. The team was in a rebuild and was happy to move on from a guy like that. He landed in Oakland. And look, when you have somebody who has just that good of an understanding of the game and you're that thin middle linebacker, why not give him the dot? Why not see what he can do? And he had a pretty effective game. He did give up uh, one touchdown in pass defense, mm-hmm. but uh, he, was, he lo- otherwise looked very good. He led the team in tackles. Looked really good against the run. Very, very solid debut. Yeah. And you think if that's what he can do on four days, this is looking like a good investment for Oakland. Um, there's talk that basically they were fielding trade offers and they had an offer from the uh, I think the New Orleans Saints pretty much set to go and then Bowman said no I don't want to play for them he obviously presumably wanted to go to what he would see as more of a contender type team yeah. in Oakland so I think there's a level of respect involved from the San Francisco organization to say well okay we'll give you the choice you can either go on the trade or we can cut you and you can go to whoever you mm-hmm. want to and I think they went with the latter one which is considering how San Fran have dealt with their players in the past Actually, a pretty surprisingly positive move. Yeah, that they're at least willing to provide the but it's also give, the option there. Given given and that it's a rebuild, this is probably a very good and easy way because he wasn't getting used all that much either by them. This is yeah. probably a good way to build a load of good faith for them approaching players to fill no, stopgaps next year and stuff. Absolutely, like, like the Forty Niners kind of, move to the four three system. They only really need one inside linebacker, and Reuben Foster is the future of that position, or at least they see it that way. So I think this. Yeah, I think this was kind of coming for a while. Fair enough. Uh, we've got uh, Martavis Bryant kicking off on Instagram. Like, who the fuck takes to Instagram for multi-million dollar issues like this here? He's complaining about not being used enough in the Pittsburgh offense. Uh, he's been throwing shite at their young wide receiver, Juju Smith-Schuster. Like, I understand it on the basis of his name, not necessarily on the basis of his play. Uh, and Bryant has basically been talking about potentially wanting a trade, not wanting a trade, all this kind of stuff. And they've hired several reports over the last two or three weeks about whether he wants it or doesn't want. And it looks like he does. He apparently called in sick today uh, and didn't show up. So this does not look like it's going to be the most amicable of relationships. No, a bit concerning. Uh, a lot of drama going on in Pittsburgh from a lot of different players uh, this, this season. Between that, Roethlisberger complaining and then Led Bell calling out Burfitt uh, mm-hmm. just today. 
this is the thing is it's Instagram you want to go and talk to the fans that's what he's doing he's trying to Turn get people in, behind yeah. him it's not about oh I'm directly negotiating with the team it's like I'm looking for support here I'm making it's, it's how players make a public statement I know we discussed this last year um, in relation to Cam Newton I think yeah and I know that you're not Instagram whatever but particularly in America it's probably the fastest growing social network I think outside of Snapchat which is really only used by 12 year olds this is how they get the message out to their fans their supporters whatever um, so yeah, that's sort of. I think this is the opening opening salvo, and what I think is probably going to be quite a protracted negotiation thing. And I think there is going to be a market for him. Although if he keeps doing this, he might find there's less of a market for him yeah, than he thought. I'd say so. Uh, Speaking of big markets, Ali Rams have decided to extend Alec Ogletree four year, forty two million dollar extension with thirty million guarantees. Big contract, but probably one that's been deserved, wouldn't you say, Fitz? Yeah, like he's a solid player, and he seems to have taken another step up this season. I think, you know, obviously there's obviously questions when the new coaching staff come in, whether he would fit in. He seems to be doing very well in the Wave Club's defense, so there's no reason to get rid of a talented player like himself. Uh, so I think it's a decent deal, and pretty much on, mar- like pretty much on market for a, an inside linebacker of his quality. Yeah. Uh, just a couple of other small bits from around the league. So Houston's uh, offensive tackle, Dwayne Brown, has ended his holdout. He'll be joining them, which I think will come into our discussions of some of the games later on. Uh, Dallas, Nolan Carroll has been released. He was the cornerback for Dallas. Uh, Denver release, uh, a tie Ruben. Right? It wasn't too bad. Uh, he's been picked up by Atlanta. And uh, Jacksonville have signed Josh Lambeau and released uh, Jason Myers. So that's kind of all of our major movers and shakers from, from the last week or two. So, But yeah, so we'll move on to injuries. And boy... Howdy, there's been a lot of these recently. Uh, we'll start at the very top, probably the biggest news in the league. QB Aaron Rodgers broke his collarbone. He is on injured reserve, likely gone for the season. They say it's kind of 8 to 10 weeks, depending on how severe the collarbone break is, which means if they were to survive and get to the postseason, there'd be the potential for him coming back and joining them then. But let's be honest, lads, from what we saw from uh, was it Brett Huntley during the weekend, uh, that doesn't look like it's much of a chance unless they sign someone, right? This is a huge blow to, to this team. Like, Brett Hunley was brutal. And it's weird, because when he stepped in for Rodgers on the game, Rodgers went down, he looked okay. Like, he didn't look great. He looked like a young player yeah. who's been chucked into an offense and everyone's hurt. And he, 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 did, he did all right. And it was like, okay, maybe they'll find a way to get through it. But then, this week, he was terrible. And you've got to wonder if some of that's falling on Mike McCarthy and the play calling, that if when they had the threw him into the standard game plan, it looked bad, but not worse than you'd expect. Mm-hmm. Then you put him in the specifically designed game plan for him, and he stinks the place up. So Packers are going to have to have a long, hard think on the bye week, because it's always been said without Aaron Rodgers, this team is not that good. They still do have a lot of offensive talent, but unless they can actually find a way to make the game work for Brett Hundley and to design... It's so he's able to play to whatever strengths he had, which really haven't been apparent over the last week, yeah. to be honest with you. they got to sort that out over the bye week, because if they don't, like you say, Rodgers can come back and it's not going to matter because they'll have finished like 6-10. and 10. Yeah, like there's, this, is, this is a rough one. They don't have a succession plan in place. They don't have a backup that will survive four or five games in place. And this is a, we'll probably need eight to nine games to, to, to be the backup. So big problems in there. I'm sure we'll get more information next week over the bye week for them. Uh, Arizona have hit a similar problem. QB Carson Palmer has broken his arm. It's his non-throwing arm, so he's gone for eight weeks. Uh, this is a team that was already free-falling. We said two weeks ago we don't really want to discuss them anymore. Uh, is there anything to be said apart from um, oh well, one less old person to fail. Yeah, it's you know there's a there's that kind of famous clip from uh, soccer, football. Uh, the tickets all over. It is now. Whatever <laughs> hope that this team had got from the Adrian Peterson signing last week is pretty much dead. Like they brought in Drew Stanton, he stunk the joint up. I don't expect that he's going to suddenly it's, become a decent. Uh, well, it's it's Blaine Gabbert behind him, isn't it? 
Yeah, it's also Blake Gavin. <laughs> so yeah, that's the great hope for the Arizona Cardinal fan base. No, it's, it's a sad time. It's gotten to the extent of the, the Cardinals subreddit have now decided to become a bird-watching uh, <laughs> subreddit instead, so are allowing posts from all different types of cardinals and ways to identify the call of a cardinal other than oh god my team sucks we've got more quarterback news as well Miami uh, Jay Cutler has now cracked some ribs he's out for a game or two lads let's be honest Matt Moore looks like the better quarterback here right yeah ignited the QB controversy that everyone's kind of been agitating for basically since like week three and Matt Moore did nothing to dispel the idea that he is a better quarterback than Jay Cutler who is kind of half-assed and doesn't really want to be there the big question isn't really, you know, Jay Cutler wants to do games. It's like, is this the last game that we've seen from Jay Cutler? It'll depend how Matt Moore holds up. Uh, big game against Baltimore where you'd expect that they have a good chance to win. If he can win that game, then why would you bring back Jay Cutler? But Adam Gase has shown a lot of loyalty for some reason to Jay Cutler. So, I don't know. The Miami fans probably won't be happy if he ever comes back and plays with them again. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty much the summary of what I, where I would be if I was a fan of that team. <laughs> Yeah, like it's 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 one of those Jay Cutler hasn't filled anyone with any kind of you know excitement or anything, and Matt Moore coming in and playing just a fairly normal game was like, oh wow, this is what quarterback play looks like. Uh, Cleveland had a big and sad injury happen. Uh, Joe Thomas has torn his tricep and he's gone for the season. Also finished the the record for the most consecutive snaps played in the NFL. I think he was sitting in and around eleven thousand snaps uh, there, but it's the bones of eleven seasons he's played without missing a snap, and now he's gone. This might well be the end of his career. He's old enough at it, and is this really a team that you want to come back and really spend your last year getting even more injured playing for a team that have what won two games in the last two and a half seasons? Ten thousand three hundred snaps, some of that absolutely yeah. remarkable. I don't know, like, he's stuck it out this far. I mean, he's, whatever physical damage, he's definitely suffered enough emotional damage. From yeah. The scene. I don't know if you follow him on social media or whatever, but this, this is interesting. Joe, Joe Thomas fucking lives for football. He's one of those players who really, like, this game is what he does. It's, it's his life. He doesn't really appear to have that much going outside of it. You can see from a lot of what he's writing that a lot of his, like, stuff is angling for post-career, mm-hmm. media career. If he comes back and he's able to play, I think he will play probably until until his contract runs out. Yeah, um, at least he is he is he is older. He is hurt. I think it depends on on how his rehab and his recovery go. It is just another sad thing in a continued series of sadness for Cleveland. Yeah. So you'd hope he comes back, you know, in, in some good condition next season, and maybe Cleveland will have drafted I don't know Rosen or Darnold or something, and maybe mm. they'll be good. Oh, did you not hear the hear the the noise that's knocking around now? There's a they're now saying it's very unlikely Darnold comes out. Fair at this point, Rosen does look like the better quarterback. Mm. So we'll see. <laughs> see how it goes. Uh, in terms of uh, of of, blo- of uh, kind of protecting quarterbacks, we have got another one. Philadelphia have lost Jason Peters uh, torn. ACL and MCL, although that's up in the air. They say if it is that injury, it'll be the season, but there's a lot of talk that it might just be a grade three damage to the MCL, which would be um, rehab rather than surgery and could have him back in six to, yeah. six to I, seven I think the weeks. MRIs have come back and they, the first MRI seems to indicate it's more likely a turn. Ah, like fair enough. Torn, so that is like rough. The Especially given the, the, the current trajectory of this Philadelphia team, that's going to be a big loss for them. Uh, they also had linebacker uh, Jordan Hicks uh, rupture his Achilles, so he's likely gone for the season as well. This is a team that's obviously on the way up, Harry, but like these are two kind of important players and important positions. These are two big spots to be losing players. Well, you might have thought that Peters was that kind of guy. Because we saw obviously had the struggle when Elaine Johnson, the mm. other tackle, went down last season. The O-line just fell to pieces, but it looks like it didn't, didn't really seem to bother them this much uh, 
this week. Um, well, it the, helps when like, look... Carson Wentz can like, emerge from a scrum and suddenly get a 15-yard scamper. <laughs> yeah, but, but this is the thing. Like, this is something he wasn't able to do last season. And even then, like, you saw that game. The O-line took a while to settle in right after without Peters, but actually started playing reasonably okay towards the end of the game. So that's a really positive sign for Philadelphia, that if they can lose these guys and continue to win games against, admittedly not great, but reasonably yeah. tough opponents, that's fine. Um, the real, I think... If, and this looks like a like a playoff bound team at this point. I yeah. think this. If this team makes the playoffs, that's and they're up against those elite defenses. That's where I think we're going to see possibly more of an issue when you're missing somebody mm-hmm. who is who is a top tier, top five left tackle. Yeah. But for now, I think that Philly are probably going to be okay. Yeah, Cliff Averill, defensive end for Seattle Seahawks, is nerve damage and has gone to IR. A lot of discussion about him considering retirement after this, which, to be honest, I don't think is that much of a surprise. Uh, they also had their offensive lineman, Loke Jokel, uh, injure his knee. He's gone for four to five weeks. Uh, the prospects are looking bright. They reckon that with him not in the lineup, they're more likely to avoid a sack by a person just being confused by not being blocked than having Luke Jokel standing in front of them. <laughs> Fitz, any thoughts on this? Obviously, the loss of Cliff Averill is something that will kind of have a bit of a legacy impact on yourselves as well yeah so like Cliff Averill he was having a good season and I think alongside KJ Wright is probably you know one of the le- like one of the most impactful but least well known defenders on that he came in in his first season changed up defensive line they won the Super Bowl obviously he went to the Super Bowl again uh, a season later so I think you know it's a massive loss they have is you know effective person going after him in uh, Frank Clark but proven talent like Cliff Averill is tough to come at the, at the pass rusher spot so I think it'll be a massive it'll make a massive difference it'll just be a question of whether the additional talent they add in Sheldon Richardson can cover up those holes even Michael Bennett right now looks a bit unhealthy so we'll see how it works out I think the Seattle defense can probably hold up just because there's so much talent there but it's still a loss and it could make the difference between them being you know winning uh, winning playoff games or not mm-hmm. uh, and Luke Jokel yes the, the Seattle offensive line looked a lot better against the Giants so your joke is not entirely unwarranted, Connor. <laughs> um, I was going to say, actually, didn't you have, um, what's his name, the, the, is it Freeney, the pass rusher from the yeah, Colts? Yeah, so Freeney had a, I think he was in today, and he's medical. Uh, it hasn't happened in time for this podcast, but there is a good chance that next week we'll be talking about him being signed on a one-year contract. That seems to be his lifetime uh, goal for the next few years. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, we'll just run through one or two more. Uh, there is a lot of others like Tyler Eifert, Tony Nata, a lot of ones like that there, Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, we'll mention the safety Malik Hooker has torn his MCL and ACL and he's gone for the season. That's a loss to an Indianapolis team who at the moment don't have a timeline for getting back luck so therefore it becomes significantly less relevant outside of the potential damage to the development of a young player who was looking quite promising. And just because we thought it gave us some great enjoyable shouting moments on the Sunday, uh, Dan Bailey got injured. He's hurt his groin, was out for a few weeks so instead we had the safety from the Dallas Cowboys uh, kicking for them who looked so happy every time he got to score a point or got a big kick off going so uh, well done to him uh, I believe they're currently trying out a number of kickers in for uh, for a replacement for him so we'll move on to our favourite part of this and every week uh, crime and punishment what are they doing? it's probably felonies Ezekiel Elliott's suspension has been this is a fiddly one it has been reinstated but there was a stay for appeal uh, which meant that he was able to play in the most recent game and the upcoming game, but it is expected that following the game against San Francisco, which is just upcoming now, he will then have his six-game suspension in place at that point. Uh, I believe that's the case. <laughs> I think it's after Washington. Yeah. But, uh, oh, sorry, after Washington. So it's two games, I reckon, until... Yeah, so his long-term outlook looks a lot worse right now, basically because he needs to overturn that, and that's not likely to happen. Uh, but he's 
bought himself a few more weeks. Like the problem is, like you know, if he comes, if he gets the suspension in a couple of weeks, like there's a good chance he'll miss playoff or like he'll miss the playoff run in. Yeah. And then you wonder, like, with the Eagles being so dominant right now, what will the Dallas Cowboys do? Are they actually a playoff team without Ezekiel Elliott? So it all kind of feels like this is, might be for naught in the end. But hey, he looked really good this weekend, so I suppose all those good San Francisco stats so well done him yeah no of course Marshawn Lynch has been suspended for a game after shoving an official uh, we'll discuss it probably in the game section later on but basically he came in from the sidelines during a scuffle that was happening on the fields during the Chiefs uh, Oakland game and li- basically grabbed a referee and push- and shoved him a little bit so he's got a one game suspension that he is appealing but it doesn't look like he's going to be successful in that uh, safety Andrew Sandejo from Minnesota is on a one game suspension for a brutal hit on Mike Wallace that's going to be appealed and Dominique Rogers camardi who was uh, suspended by the team for one game for having a disagreement with McAdoo presumably over his moustache he's been reinstated and was playing on, on, on Sunday just gone so just the other random miscellaneous bits from the news as well before we move on Sky Sports NFL broadcaster Kevin Cadle. So as anyone who's listening in Ireland, the UK will probably uh, know Kevin quite well. He was the presenter of uh, the NFL on Sky Sports up until quite recently and also did previously on uh, Channel 4. So he died at 62. Uh, very well remembered, very well liked. I think I, I don't think I've seen a bad thing said about the man afterwards. Quite surprised he was ill, but it was kind of very sudden. So uh, our wishes and all that kind of stuff go out to the family uh, Dallas defensive tackle uh, Stephen Pierre retires after seven seasons uh, this comes at the same time as Dallas has been announced as going to be hosting the, the 2018 draft down in Jarrah World as well and we've also as, as another piece of random news Justin Timberlake has agreed to play the Super Bowl halftime show which uh, I'm very excited about because I'm a massive Justin Timberlake fan oh, I th- okay is Janet Jackson going to be there I don't know but do you, do you really want to see a designed nip slip from Janet I, I want to see her pull off Justin Timberlake Boob patch this time. That could be fun. Equal, equal uh, opportunities. Come on, guys. Any of those? Justin Timberlake boob patches confirmed. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. I'll Justin Timberlake boob patches. Give me some laughs. Oh boy. Uh, but yeah, so that'll be good. So obviously, just uh, we're going to cover off one or two areas that we thought we saw a lot of uh, news coming out about that we've discussed on the on the podcast before, and I'm sure we will continue to discuss afterwards. Obviously, there's been a lot of feedback since our, since our last discussion of the racism topic and the vice president deciding to turn up to games for photo opportunities and things like that. So essentially what we've had since we last spoke was the NFL had a meeting on the anthem protest rules there's been no changes technically but Goodell has publicly said the player should stand and a number of owners have uh, have made a similar demand we've since seen Kaepernick file some charges uh, or a grievance against the NFL owners claiming that there's collusion to keep him out of the league and then there was a meeting that he then skipped uh, that was originally apparently skipped for legal reasons but turns out that he had not actually been invited to this meeting of league owners and so on there's lots of other stuff like Russell Okun has been writing an open letter in the Players Tribune uh, like trying to organise players there's there's celebrations showing stop and frisk and trying to highlight this in other places as well and uh, Doug Baldwin and Roger Goodell co-signed a letter to the Senate Judiciary Committee about uh, about sentencing reform there's been a whole lot of stuff going on but it definitely feels a lot less focused than it was two or three weeks ago. Is this the thing if there's a lot of action happening, but because there's a lot of different things happening, people aren't focused on it as much anymore, so they're moving away from it? Or what do you think? Well, I think the part of it, this is, this is a media cycle thing, um, to be honest with you. Like, we haven't seen much as much media coverage of the protests as we did before, so they're not getting talked about as much. I think that really is as simple as that. Media has become bored of it. They've exhausted their narrative, and they're not really that interested in it. That's why I think you're seeing things like Ross Lokung writing the letter being like, we need to find an actual way to get this done. It's why, obviously, 
there was that botched meeting that we talked about before mm. between the players and the owners. They were like, oh, we're going to get some stuff done. And then Willie Cologne was like, yeah. nothing was done whatsoever. Um, the one interesting thing, of course, this is where this will kick off again, is, is this grievance suit that Kaepernick has fired, which is basically a collusion. Now, he needs to prove, he only actually needs to prove two owners colluded. If he can prove 14 plus, then uh, the CBA is voided. And <laughs> we will immediately have a player strike, which is very interesting. So I kind of hope that happens. That'll be funny. Uh, I also hope that happens because it'll be awful. Uh, yeah, I, I, it's a tough one for him to win, but we'll see what comes out. I mean, you look at the likes of Brandon Whedon and David Fales getting signed, and you're like, yeah, kind of, I guess. Yeah, This is a bit weird, isn't it? I hope I hope the players keep finding a way to push it because at this point it's kind of just been a the the attitude now is just to close your eyes and pretend it's not happening. Yeah, which is unfortunately what tends to happen to minority protests. Mm. And as I said, there's a lot of push now of back of quarterbacks coming in and people kind of just cooling down on like, well, we don't need players like Kaepernick. We don't need this kind of controversy stuff. We might now be seeing a push towards the point where we might actually get him playing at some point. Maybe, although I think with that lawsuit, Kaepernick has kind of gone into blow it all up mode. I, I don't, I can't see him getting signed after, after filing that suit in particular. Because every, every owner is technically implicated until otherwise, so... Well, there's one way to guarantee that your crew don't get That's true, yeah, that's true. You can't get out of it that way, but... Uh, yeah, I can't. I can't imagine they'll be they'll be falling over themselves to sign him, even though they obviously weren't beforehand. Yeah, of course. Uh, but we'll see what comes out in the discovery phase, and if anybody comes and blabs basically to them. Yeah, of course, it could be very interesting. So we'll see. Like it's it's. I think if it could go nowhere, but it's also it'll keep it in the in the cycle for a little bit longer. We'll see if anything comes out of it. Uh, there's also been one or two developments on the CTE stuff that we've discussed several times this season already as well. So DeAndre Levy has come out and claimed that the Lions organization made moves to discourage people discussing CTE and even to the level of potentially disguising it or making sure that it's not been told to the medical staff to try and hide it popped into the news a little bit because we've seen one or two people going through concussion protocols but one of the more high named stars Luke Keekley from the uh, from the Panthers has uh, had another concussion I think this is his fourth or fifth in his professional career uh, so it's kind of pushed it to the to the forefront of the national agenda again and most worrying in the Luke Keekley case uh, I think Harry can mention the to the Andrew Levy claims he was supposed to be playing this weekend and that he wasn't and that's even more perhaps worrying than if they just said he's going to be out until we rush struggles on the fact that he's now apparently, you know, uh, apparently they can't predict anymore how his concussion symptoms are going to develop. That's kind of a really worrying sign for him personally and for how the organisation treats this entire uh, entire issue. Now they've kind of said nothing afterwards and it's kind of rumours that he's had to go to a, hospital, a specialist again to kind of look, get looked into further. So uh, keep an eye on that in the coming weeks, I'd say. Yeah, I think his little neck band thing didn't didn't do much good in the end, unfortunately. No. Uh, and you were saying, so you 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 were following this, the Andre Levy stuff a little bit closer than I was, Harry. So, like, what what exactly is he alleging, or is it just is it just that he's stating this rather than following up on? Yeah, I, I don't know if there's any follow up. I don't know if there really is much he could do other than take them to court. Really, mm-hmm. but even then, I'm not sure what for. Um, but it is very much, yeah, they lied and told the players to lie about their condition. Mm-hmm. Um, now. I don't know if it went into the detail as to like how that intersected with the concussion protocol and so on. Yeah. But this is just one of those things that is just not surprising, to be honest with you. It shouldn't be surprising. It's messed up, but it really shouldn't be because at the end of the day, it's in the interest of them to, to play. And DeAndre Levy's career was completely derailed by various injuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a very talented player, so I think there's an element of him being like, you know, if he's coming under if he was coming under pressure not to talk about the effect this was having on him. Yeah. It's pretty sinister. And obviously the Lions have completely come out and said, Oh, we no never did that, never happened, all bullshit. It, you can't prove it, and of course, you can't prove it. It's verbal conversations yeah. and things like that because they've, they've got 
ongoing issues with how they deal with legacy players for other things as well. Like their relationship with Megatron is not very good. Their relationship with several of their old, more famous players is not very Mark good. Sanders and what, yeah. They just they don't seem to be an organisation that are good at staying friends with their exes. Let's say <laughs> we'll follow up and see if anything else comes up with this because obviously we see there's a bit of visibility on this issue this year. Obviously, there's a lot of discussion about it whenever people get injured, but also the introduction of new helmets that you see on a lot of players and things like that. So it is something that's being looked at, but it's worrying to think that it can be both that combo of being looked at openly or at least be seen to be looked at openly, whereas actually just wanting to, to, to keep it uh, underneath the covers a little bit. So we'll, uh, we'll keep an eye on both those stories as we, as we keep going. We just thought we'd want to give you an update on what's happened in the last two weeks on both of them. And I suppose with that, we'll move on to our game reviews for last week. So we've got our game reviews for last week. Before we get into that, we just want to give a shout out to the... So we did kind of prep our podcast for last week, but we didn't get it done because of the storm. Uh, so the Ring of Honor was going to be the excellent Philadelphia-Carolina game, 26-23. The neutral zone was going to be Detroit at New Orleans, 38-52, to which was just... That was so much fun. Uh, and then the dumpster fire. Uh, good God. 24-27 to overtime Baltimore at Chicago. Uh, so congratulations, commiserations, and neutralness to uh, to to those those sets of teams from last week. Hello, just say hello. Yeah, <laughs> congratulations, Detroit and New Orleans. You continue to exist in this league. Yeah. Um, so we're going to have a look now uh, at the games from the week just gone by. We're going to kick off with a Ring of Honor this week. It is the Thursday night football game: Chiefs at the Raiders, thirty to thirty-one. So the Chiefs fall to five and two, and the Raiders sit at three and four after a thrilling game that was mired with two big things in particular one bad refereeing uh, both sides of the ball uh, but also from both teams very poor looking defensive play both teams had their kind of time of it on offense the Chiefs led 30-21 going into the fourth quarter but the Raiders were able to get it done Amari Cooper had a monster day 210 yards and two touchdowns I think more than doubling his total for the year <laughs> so far uh, Carr threw 417 yards three touchdowns and no interceptions and Jared Cook the tight end uh, pulled in 107 yards worth of offense uh, the Chiefs look good though as well Smith went 25 to 36 for 342 yards, three touchdowns, and no interceptions. Hunt, the rookie, went over 100 yards from scrimmage again, so now he's extending that rookie record that he holds. Hill was 125 yards. The weird thing is, neither team at all got pressure. There was one sack in this game, and it came at a key moment from Khalil Mack when the Chiefs were driving down the field trying to put an end to the game, and they just couldn't do it. One thing that stood out for me was very poor defensive backplay from Kansas City, which is something I'd like to see change, and it has raised some questions about Bob Sutton's scheme and whether or not it's quite obvious. Tony Romo was on the uh, was on the coverage of this. And it was quite interesting to see that within 30 seconds, Tony Romo could tell where each ball should be being thrown versus the defensive scheme that are sitting there with the current personnel. And if he can do that from up top and he's not prepped it for a week in advance, what could someone else do? Uh, And then obviously, as we mentioned, uh, we had uh, Beast Mode being kicked out of this game because of his involvement in a bit of of a fight. So, Harry, I'm going to come to you first on this. Is this Oakland team turning a corner here or is this kind of a... Thursday night game, short week, but they're at home, uh, like, aberration. It was a big game from Cooper, good performances from some of the other ones. Like, is this something that we think they can bank on moving forward? Well, I don't know about Amari Cooper. Certainly having Derek Carr back and seemingly healthy after quite a rough return and not having to start EJ Manuel again. They were lucky in some ways, insofar as that Kansas City, like you said, correctly, just didn't seem to really turn up to play defensively, seemed completely all over the place. I think the, the, the big thing isn't really Amari Cooper. The big thing is, is Derek Carr coming back being aggressive, pushing the ball down the field, like taking shots that this team has not really done for the last three weeks. 
uh, or not been able to do effectively anyway for the last three weeks, and that made a bit of a difference, especially given that their run game couldn't really get going anywhere, and then Marshall Lynch getting ejected in really bizarre circumstances because he ran over, by all accounts, to protect a Kansas City player because mm. uh, he's... he's I've never been able to work out if he's literally cousins with um, Marcus Peters or if it's just a, a turn of phrase. Just they're very, yeah, yeah, very, yeah, so very close. Yeah. By the way, he's very close with um, Marcus Peters, and after Marcus Peters hit Car late, he ran on to break it up and ended up tangling up with the ref and getting ejected. So that really didn't help. So this is a sign that that Car does have that potential to get things done by himself, and he can, for want of a better phrase, put the team on his back. Yeah, um, on the left of his. Yeah. Well. This is what you want to see. If, if your quarterback has to throw the ball 50 times and you still manage to win the game, that's good because your quarterback shouldn't have to throw the ball 50 times, to be blunt. And yeah, they, they got the rub of the green on some things, but this is a very good Kansas City team. Even with the defense not playing well, this is a very good Kansas City team who we've seen be able to boat race teams, to be honest with you. They did it even did it to the, the, the Patriots at the start mm. of the season. So yeah, I think this is definitely positive from the Raiders. I liked what I saw from Carr. Um, I think we're showing a little bit better sync with the with the receiving core. Um, I think they'll be able to game plan the running game a little better with Lynch. Now, knowing Lynch won't be there, rather than trying to get it done with a bunch of scatbacks, they'll be able to use, utilize that a bit more effectively. So, I don't know. I, I hate saying, oh, a team has turned around the corner on the basis of one performance, but I think the positives that we saw this week, if Oakland can continue to bring those forward, then they're in a good spot to make a push for a wild card here. No, at least. Course. Yeah. Now, the big news, obviously... Is that CJ Spiller has been caught again? Uh, <laughs> and how will the Chiefs' offense look without? No, no, not quite. Obviously, it's been a tough two weeks with the Chiefs, or well, we we get a bit uh, lost to Pittsburgh on Sunday night, and then to Oakland here. Uh, the one positive I suppose, is they're getting some of the players back. Their center, their right guard, and uh, and their quarterback Stephen Nelson is meant to be coming back this week. Like, is it time to start to worry about this Chiefs team? Or is it just kind of a tough few games have to go through in three or four days back to back on the road? Yeah, like I think I would be probably in the latter camp. I think the Chiefs still looked good. The Chiefs were still able to do the things that have come to define the difference in this year's Chiefs and previous years, which is that ability to make big plays, uh, that they're creating the kind of offensive game plan which gets the fans excited, but also means that they don't have to rely on their defense to save them uh, in close games. I think like last week, like it was just one of those weird games. Like I don't know, Pittsburgh just seemed to have Kansas City's lunch to a certain extent, uh, uh, and Eric Fisher in particular got, got kind of robbed by James Harrison there. But this week, like the offensive line shored up a bit. It was definitely still a case that although they only had one sack, there was definitely no uh, question that Khalil Mack was still making pressure. But is Khalil Mack? He is one of the best pass rushers in the league. That's kind of to be expected, uh, considering what was being given to them. I think they did a good job. Uh, and obviously they had a bit of, like, you know, you could have the rubber degree in the Oakland Raiders, but there's obviously a rubber, rubber game for Kansas City as well. You know, a, a tipped ball going for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Pretty, pretty lucky, I would say. You know, in the NFL, there are very few easy games. And on the road, I know it's a cliche, there are also very few easy games. I think from this, you know, like, they were basically should have won this game. They, like, after a pretty helter-skelter first quarter, they came to dominate the game. And then it was really just these kind of, a series of unfortunate events that kind of put them behind in the last, like, literally zero second. So I think, you know, if you're a Chiefs fan, it's disappointing because obviously you had a chance here to, to have a vice grip on this division, but now you've been pulled a little bit back into the fray uh, and kind of given the other teams a bit of hope. But I think overall, I think the only real issue is can they sort out that secondary? Like, you know, Terrence Mitchell has kind of been picked on a few times. Like, he looks, oh, he looks decent most of the time, but he's just prone to those one or two like big plays against them 
and that's the kind of thing you really still want in your cornerback and obviously the safety position continues to be an issue uh, as they like rotate people in to try and replace Eric Berry by committee and it's not really working but I think you know the defense as a whole is still good enough with this new exciting offense to still win most games and to make this a serious contender in the AFC but I don't think there's any reason to pit the panic button and believe that they can't put together another uh, 10 plus win season yeah no of course looks good we'll move on to the neutral zone so in here we've decided to put the Tampa Bay at Buffalo game uh, I think I got this on my on my own last week or no no I didn't it was a uh, I the, got it wrong on my own, yeah, so which is why a, I now have to talk about Tampa Bay. Yeah, it was, it was the Chargers <laughs> one I got on my own. Um, so Bucks at the Bills, 27-30. Tredavious White forced and recovered a fumble to allow them with 14 seconds left to kick a winning field goal. Brings the Bills to 4-2 and two, and the Bucks slip all the way back down to 2-4. and four. It was a good game from OJ Howard. He got 98 yards and two touchdowns and uh, Mike Evans, but it wasn't enough. Their run game was completely snuffed out. Doug Martin had 20 attempts and got 50 yards. It was also it was an incredibly messy game from, from the Bucks too. They had six fumbles in this game. Now, I think they only lost two of them, and then they also had an interception. But, like, six fumbles. Like, you need to cop that shite on. Uh, Levante David played a, played a blinder. He had, like, 14 tackles. I think 12 of them were solo. Like, it was, it was nowhere near enough. McCoy grinded it out for the Bills. 23 carries, 91 yards, two touchdowns. I honestly looked at the top two receivers for the for the Bills and I was like, who the fuck are these guys? De- Deontay Thompson and they got 107 yards. And like, I presume maybe this guy works down in the docks in Dublin, Nick O'Leary, like 58 yards. They kept it close enough to let their defense win them the game. But like it wasn't it wasn't a comprehensive win or anything. So Ron, I'm gonna come to you first on this one. It feels like the Bills should have had this significantly more comfortably whenever you look at like the numbers underlying the game. They had five red zone trips to the to the Bucks three, but they still needed a fumble to be able to put it away. And even at that it was a fumble that then they just got into field goal range. Like is this a sign of this team's limitations or was this them overcoming more of a challenge from the Bucks that I'm not seeing? No, I think this is definitely an incredibly limited team. I think with perhaps the exception of Jacksonville, there is no team which relies on the run game working to get things going. And in this case, they managed to supplement that with a bit of play action from Tyrod Taylor, with Deontay Thompson being the beneficiary this week. Uh, I'm sure he'll be an amazing superstar and I'll be proven wrong. But let's be honest, Deontay Thompson was cut by the Bears a couple of weeks ago. I think that gives you an indication of where his talent level probably is long run. So I think in this week we saw the same, like basically they only have one game plan and that is to run the ball. I think the one thing that they have done and they talked about during the bye week was that they were going to move more to last season's one where it even became more focused on the run. And the big thing that happened is that it seemed to get LaShawn McCoy back into the game. Like LaShawn McCoy really is the heart of that offense and if they can put him in there like they did last season then they have a chance to win games. And at this point in the season, it's really just about being in it. And at 4 or 2, they have the types of wins they can do. I think the one disappointing thing that they'll look on is that the defense looked a lot more shaky than it has been in previous weeks. Mm. And they need to hope that, that this is an aberration versus what it's been like for most of this season and that it can firm up and make these games closer. It's just that, fortunately, the one week where the defense kind of banked out was when uh, they're up against one of the worst defenses in the league. And that kind of helped them out. Like the Tampa Bay have like one of the worst defenses, except for the two really good players. I think the the only thing finally noticed, obviously, as a, as a Seahawks fan, is to see uh, Stephen Hauschka Hausch money uh, continue <laughs> to. Uh, God, uh, I heard I heard I heard the call on the game where the where the yeah. guy just kept calling him Hausch money, and I was like, oh, <laughs> please just stop. So he, he continued. To, he had a really good game, and I think he's now uh, on a on a 
pretty long streak of 50 plus kicks at this point mm. uh, so you know fair play to him uh, we haven't Blair Walsh is doing okay so we're not too unhappy but uh, fair play to Hauschka Hausch money yeah. you know he needs to do that whole uh, Johnny Manziel thing perhaps uh, but we'll see what do loads <laughs> of coke and stop playing football uh, <laughs> uh, ooh. allegedly uh, Harry this season seems to be slipping away rather rapidly for Tampa Bay. Yeah. They're last in the NFC South. They've got a pretty tough-looking effect schedule coming up. But like, there are positives to take out of this. Tight ends look good. The rookie guy, Jameis, actually looked quite good because he can be he can be up and down any time. It's not that they were terrible. It's just that they weren't able to, to close it out or really kind of just put their foot on it at any point. Like, is this a team that can stay competitive or is this a team that they're finding out that there is limitations to how they how they're designed and they might maybe need to go about it a different way. Yeah, I think the scoreline flatters Tampa Bay uh, in a couple of ways. Um, you talk about O.J. Howard looking good. Like, O.J. Howard has had two big games this season, and in both of them, including this one, almost all of his yards came on plays where the other team's defense just forgot he existed (laughs) and just let him... I remember the first one, yeah. The same thing happened in this game. He was just left wide open to amble into the end zone from 60 yards out. It was... It probably wasn't actually 60 yards. It was like 30 yards, but that's not the point. The point is it was... O.J. Howard got forgotten about and got lost in the wash. And I think that you've... Yes, that is the sort of thing that happens when you have a million different threats in offense. When you've got your Evanses, your Jacksons, your Cameron Brights, fair enough. People aren't going to pick up the fourth or fifth receiver. But good teams should do that. So I think they were they were fortunate. The run game, Doug Martin, after the much-hyped, really good half of football he had against New England, hasn't really done much since then. Mm-hmm. Um, the O-line doesn't look great right now and is struggling to hold up, like struggling to create space uh, from a run-blocking perspective. And that's going to be a continual issue for this team because I, I don't see where, where the improvement comes from then. And defensively, all over the place. Okay, Buffalo aren't a good passing team. Tyra Taylor still passes for nearly 270 yards. Deontay Thompson gets 100 yards, like we said. That's on the cornerbacks. That's on the cornerbacks and the safeties. And this is a problem because this team's got, yeah, okay, we've got our, you know, Gerald McCoy, we've got Levante David, we've got Quan Alexander. Um, there's a kid Beckwith, I think, who looks quite good. And you're like, all these players are in the front seven. If you can't get pressure, you, you don't have a secondary that can hold up. And against Buffalo, you can't do that. So, yeah, I agree. We're now seeing the limitations of Tampa Bay in that they attempted to just load this massive offensive juggernaut up. But they've been disappointing in the run game. Jameis Winston still makes stupid mistakes, generates turnovers he doesn't need to, and misses throws he shouldn't miss. And then your defensive backfield gets torched by the Bills... Mm. like that's just not encouraging and this team I think isn't as good as we thought it was going into the season I think that's been really really shown here and I'm not sure what the solution is going forward because I think these are personnel problems so this year might be another disappointing season uh, for Tampa Bay also I do want to shout out the most half-hearted attempt at the lateral play I have ever seen. Like funny. that was just. I remember watching him, thinking he was incredible. <sighs> but if you want, if you want to see something really fun, go on to ESPN onto their um, their play-by-play um, session, right? So some obviously some intern has been stuck with the job of they had to like go and watch it and make sure they get the name of everyone in order so that you can go in order lateral to lateral to pass backwards to pass backwards to fumble but recovered by and it's it's just horrendous would you like me to read it to you oh god go for it James Winston passes short left to Adam Humphreys to Tampa Bay 36 for 5 yards lateral to Charles Sims 3 to the Tampa Bay 33 for minus 3 yards I'm going to ditch the yardage lateral to Mike Evans to for minus 8 yards fumbles recovered by uh, Smith uh, Smith to Tampa Bay 30 for 5 yards. Lateral to Brait for minus 7 yards. Fumbles. Recovered by Mike Evans. Mike Evans for no gain. Laterals to Adam Humphreys for minus 3 yards. Lateral to Charles Sims for minus 6 yards. 
Lateral to Deshaun Jackson for minus eight yards. Lateral to Mike Evans for eight yards. Positive. Lateral to Deshaun Jackson for 15 yards. And then fumble and recovered by Marcel Darius. You know, just thinking now, what we could do, because you remember we used to have the old punting watch with Fitz. Yeah. What we could do is we could take those and get him to read them as if they're the shipping forecast <laughs> and then just put them over the end of all these. It would be great fun. Oh, but yeah, I think that is a yeah that kind of sums up this team at the moment. I don't know where their future is, and I think it might be they need a new offensive coordinator, it might be the new coach, it might be they need a whole new scheme change. But God knows, under the dumpster fire, uh, <laughs> Titans at Browns, twelve to nine in overtime. Oh God, this was a tough watch. Uh, so I didn't watch most of it. Uh, didn't see it all, thankfully. Three field goals to four field goals. Titans move to 4-3 and three, inexplicably and the tumbling Browns continue to fall to 0-7. Some highlights from this game for the Browns. Joe Thomas was injured. Uh, rookie Kaiser was pulled again. Crowell averaged 2.1 yards a carry. No receiver broke 60 yards but Miles Garrett got a sack. Uh, between their two quarterbacks they had three interceptions and zero touchdowns. Um, they did shut down the Titans run game. The Titans run game averaged 2.5 yards a carry and their highest receiver received for thirty for sixty three yards. That was Delaney Walker, who promptly got injured. This was an exciting game for absolutely no one. Going to come to you first on the Titans. What happened to Exotic Smashmouth and the most exciting running back group in the NFL? It's not like they were playing a fucking powerhouse here. What the fuck? Demarco Murray is old, and Derrick Henry has finally morphed into a pineapple. Um, <laughs> it, I, I don't know. Delaney Walker. Delaney Walker did drop two passes in the end zone. Um, so Tennessee could have won this, but they looked awful. Yeah. Um, and maybe maybe they've rushed Mariota back before he's ready. He looked fine, but he didn't look like he had his mobility. Yeah. And this offense, your exotic smash mouth, your blah, blah, DeMarco Murray, blah, blah, Derek Henry, blah, blah, this O-line is so good. It's actually not like it. All comes to Mariota being able to run RPOs and being able to use his feet and the threat of him running to open up space. That's yeah. a huge and integral part of what is quote-unquote exotic smash mouth, right? When you don't have this, it turns out that it's a pretty ordinary setup. There's nothing hugely imaginative going on in that run game. It just became smash mouth, and look, Cleveland were like, all right, I mean, just put a bunch of big guys there. That's fine. Yeah. We can do that. We have larger mobile men who aren't... Hey, no, they've got no all-stars. <laughs> but, yeah, it's just, it's just a, a mess from Tennessee, an absolute mess. And they're lucky that Cleveland couldn't get out of their own way and kept throwing picks and couldn't run the ball and didn't have any receivers. This was just a horrible game. Um, you'd hope that this was a one-off for Tennessee who looked quite exciting earlier in the season as Mariota gets back to health and gets his mobility back mm. it, it, it will improve but it does really show as we saw with Matt Castle that this team's offense when it's forced to step out of what's been designed uh, largely through I think to be honest poor coaching and poor play calling can't move the ball very well yeah and that's a real concern yeah Ronan looking at this Browns team we're like 0-7 at this point when do you blow it up and how do you blow it up? Like that's, I, I, I think we're now past the we're going to maintain this coach and this this front office. Do you go after John Dorsey? Do you make a big head coaching move? They've got lots of picks coming up, and the current setup has shown that they do not know who to pick, how to pick them, or how to develop a team or how to develop a quarterback. When do you start firing people? Probably, probably you have to chunk it through November it's like there's just not like the problem is there's just not that much on this team to work with like if you were to talk about this team the defensive line looks good and Miles Garrett certainly looks like he's playing well or is a talent and Duke Johnson looks pretty interesting when they actually play him they keep trying to make Crowell happen so he isn't happening 
But, like, the biggest issue, and, like, maybe the reason why they should, like, what they should do is probably get rid of Hugh Jackson because Hugh Jackson has made the decision to screw up his quarterback room. Yeah. Like, you draft this guy in the second round to Sean Kaiser, he makes some mistakes, whatever, and then you decide, okay, let's mix in Kevin Hogan. And now this week, let's mix in Cody Kessler. Like, you, you, you take a rookie quarterback and you basically shove them around this. You cannot expect him to come back and suddenly be good when you put them back into the team every couple of weeks. That's not the way you're supposed to develop a quarterback. Like, I get that the team is probably going to draft a quarterback in the first round next year regardless, but you were supposed to use this season to find out what you had with Deshaun Kaiser. We know we have a Cody Kessler. He is, at best, a you know career backup in the NFL. We know we have a Kevin Hogan. He's basically just uh, like a poor man's Tim Tebow, basically. And that's fine. Like the, the, he can be your backup, whatever. Like one of these guys can be your backup, but they're not going to be your starter. They don't have the talent level. They don't have any of the like the traits that make you believe that they're going to be long-term starters in the NFL. Therefore, you should stick with the one guy who at least has the college pedigree to make you believe that he might have that. So this team, they had that first game against Pittsburgh, week one. They gave them a good show, and you know, like Ben Roethlisberger was talking about how you know no one wants to play the brand. But as they've gone along, we've seen the same bullshit emerge again and again and again. The QB carousel. We've seen the penalties start to stack up. We've seen the indiscipline with the talk to Sean Kaiser, basically, you know, going partying on Friday night and stuff like that. All the same bullshit we've seen so many times before. And yes, at the end of the day, the book needs to stop with management with the front office and if they cannot bring this around if they cannot start winning a couple of games as they get to the end of the season if they finish with no wins or one win again then yes they all deserve to be fired they all deserve to be shipped out because they have all the opportunities in the world to make this work and they haven't there's probably enough talent on this team with the right coaching to you know have won a few games at this point and the fact that they haven't is on them and you know you know, yeah. I wouldn't disagree if they fired everyone tomorrow. I don't think they will. I think it'll be another month or so. But unless they can turn this around really quickly, they're going to be on their asses pretty sooner rather than later. No, fair enough. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. I think. <laughs> I think. I think the only thing stopping them is that it would be really hard to find the people to fill all the roles that they need to fill whenever they fire everyone. Fuck it, hire me. I've won the Super Bowl with the Browns on Madden. That's good enough. <laughs> At oh, this point, man. they might as well. Like, it's just, seriously, it's just brutal. I- I believe it is now the longest, the least amount of wins over a continuous period of time for the same coaching staff. Yeah, it is. The, the longest surviving coaching staff with that kind of loss level. Uh, which is just nuts. Uh, so I suppose we'll move on to uh, questions from the listener. So this one comes in from uh, Kean and he says, we see a lot of backup quarterbacks coming in and playing this year in the league. Oh, yes, this is Keane. He's a Packers fan, hence, I suppose, is the backup mm-hmm. question. Who is the best and who is the worst of the ev- of the currently rostered? So we're not getting our, our, our potentially blackballed people. We're just getting our currently rostered. Who should be blackballed from the league? Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll start with that. We'll start with the worst. Who should be? Uh, I'm going to go... You see, I don't know if this is fair because I think this is technically a QB3, but Brandon Whedon in Tennessee or Matt Castle in Tennessee... Basically, most of Tennessee's quarterback room. I'd, I'd probably go with that one. Uh, like, any anyone jumping out at you guys? Yeah, I think uh, the newest signing in Miami, who is now well, well technically QB three, but is now going to be the backup because of Cutler's injury, is uh, David Fales. Oh, which gosh. is just it is a remarkable signing, right? He has twenty two career passing yards, and even with that, he's got a fifty three point eight rating. Like, wow. it is a nonsense pickup. This is a guy who busted out in Chicago, 
and I mean not, not in the good sense. He, he, he was, you know, he was a six-round pick. He was never meant to do anything. He stayed in the back in Chicago for a couple of seasons. He was trash. They dropped him. Baltimore put him on the practice squad. Went no, dropped him. Went back to the Bears. Continued to not play. And now mm-hmm. Miami have decided that that this is this is what you need in a backup. Yeah, he yeah. is not good. He is bad. He is extremely bad. He shouldn't be in the league. Like this is just weird. Yeah, uh, yeah like I, I think personally, in terms of the worst. He probably isn't the worst, but he is the most depressing. And for me, that's Matt Schaub. Like this is a quarterback who had like pretty good success in, in the, at the Texans, but every time he's he's trotted out these days, you can see his arm slowly withering away into dust, <laughs> and it's just depressing to see it happen like in real time. It's like every time you see him, it somehow got worse, and it's just like just stop, please, like retire. You you can't throw the football. That's generally considered a weakness for someone who can't run or do anything else either. Yeah. What about uh, what about an upper end one? Who do you think might be one of the best? Well, I, I'll take Harry's pick, and I'll talk about Garoppolo, of course. She uh, wasn't my pick. This is the, the, well, yeah, probably not. But he is. There's obviously a lot of potential there, and there's a lot of talk about is he actually because we think. But like right now, if you were to go on upside level, like Garoppolo is probably the one that's going to get the most people excited. Uh, probably next off season in terms of getting contracts going. Whether he'll live up to that is not, but certainly he's looked really good each time he's had to play this uh, so far in his career, and there's no reason to believe that someone going from that system can't be an effective quarterback if he goes to a team that isn't a complete fuck-up. So I, 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 I don't know now. There's, there's, there's quite, a, quite a record of Tom Brady's backups going on to be fairly shy. In fact, I think I just called for the head of one of them uh, in the Tennessee room. He's very old. Yeah, though. but he didn't have a cool name like Goat Rappolo. <laughs> yeah, that's true. What about yourself, Harry? What do you think? Um, is, it, is it cheating to say Case Keenum? I suppose not, no. Because he came into the season as a backup, and I think he's done exactly what you want as a backup. He's somebody who's knuckled down, picked up the offense, mm-hmm. come in, and been competent with a couple of actually quite good games. Yeah. And, like, that's what teams... It's weird, because all these teams have, like, if you, if you read through the backups, there are people who can't do that. Like, there aren't 32 good quarterbacks in the NFL, which is crazy to me. Mm-hmm. But that's the situation. Case Keenum is just so solid. And this is a guy who started out his career really struggling in Houston. Mm-hmm. But has developed into that kind of... And this is the kind of guy you will see being like the Matt Moore or the young Derek Anderson, who's quite bad now, but for a lot of his career, be like, yeah, I can come in, I can hold the clipboard, and I can step in if you need me to and be absolutely solid and be smart about how I play and know the game plan and know the team. Perfectly what you want in a backup. It's a, I yeah, know, it's, it's, this, he, yeah, sorry, he actually managed to look good under Jeff Fisher a couple of seasons ago. So He did, that's true. That's the ultimate... Praise for a pack of absolutely. So, I suppose that's the thing. It's 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 a it's a question of philosophy of what you want from your backup. Is it someone to step in as a kind of two or three game fix, or is it like something you can go and rely on for a little bit longer? Because like I would say, I'd look at something like AJ McCarron and say that's a pretty good person to have as a backup. Can step in for two or three games if you've got an injury, like won't blow it up. Uh, but then if we want to talk upside, I will be looking at. Your Jimmy Garoppolo at your Pat Mahomes, realistically, because that's just like that's just pure potentiality of what might be there. Rather than if I'm going to lose, if I'm going to lose my starting quarterback for the rest of the season, I'm not looking for uh, like a four game patch player. So I'm going to try and go on upside, and that might be random young fella. I might be trading for uh, Jacoby Brissett from from the Patriots or stuff like that. There, but you see, this, this is the thing about the upside play, and I get that. And that's why, if you want to carry a third quarterback, you do that. But I think you do need somebody who can plug in short term. Mm-hmm. Because look at just what happened in Green Bay. Look at the player that provoked this question. Twelve out of twenty five for eighty seven yards in the pick this week. Yeah. Like that's and he's been he's been on that roster for two three but seasons. Bear, now. bear in mind that is a 
better scenario than the starting quarterback in the Chicago Bears at the moment, who has completed a total of 12 passes and has won two games having completed 12 passes. Most important stat, quarterback wins. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, but yeah, there's, there's, there's lots out there at the moment, but yeah, I think, I suppose, Keen, in answer your question, it comes down to what you want, is it a quick patch? And I suppose you're unfortunately stuck in that middle ground of you kind of want a long-term patch because you want someone who's there for seven or eight weeks and then will just immediately hand the reins back over, which uh, I'm sorry, mate, I just don't think it exists. Uh, I suppose with that, we'll move on to the games that are coming up for this week. Okay, so we've got a couple of games to fly through this week. Uh, first up, we've got Miami at Baltimore on what will be a horrendous Thursday night football. Uh, I've gone for Baltimore, Fitz has gone for Miami, and Harry's gone for Miami. So, Harry, why Miami? This is just um, more optimism. Baltimore have been atrocious this year. The offense is is horrendous. Flacco looks done, to be honest with you, at this point. Like, this isn't a wobble now. Unless Joe Flacco significantly improves in the second half of the season, it's like, okay, this is now possibly a below-average quarterback. Mm-hmm. Or below-average what we can expect. Maybe not below-league-average, because the average seems to be pretty poor this year in general. Mm-hmm. Miami, I think, showed a bit of fight with Matt Moore in there. They showed, like, maybe this is a guy who can run the system, who can maybe get the best out of some of the receivers, rather than just chucking it up and hoping, or just yeah. throwing it into the dirt and not hoping. So, um, yeah, I, I just think Baltimore are a slightly bigger mess than... Like, what is it? We know, right, so we know Baltimore are a giant mess. Miami, we know are a giant mess, but now might become slightly less of a mess. So I'm willing to hedge on the side of the team that at least has the potential to be less of a mess this week. Yeah, that's fair enough. Like, I've got one or two elements that kind of come into play on this one. Thursday night game, I'm going to probably generally side with the home team in a tight decision. Uh backup quarterback in Miami who looked better but we've seen the limitations of before and there's tape on him from before Baltimore while not great uh, looking overall this season they have shown flashes of being a strong defense they're at home it'll be an angry crowd it's prime time like I could see them causing a lot of trouble for Matt Moore in this game I don't think it'll be a particularly good game I'm just going to side with Baltimore because also getting the home team on a short week on my own might be a way to kind of keep moving up those uh, pick rankings you know yourself next up we've got Minnesota Cleveland we've got Minnesota across the board Fitz why have we done that Minnesota looked like a good, efficient team. Not with the most dynamic offense, but an effective one nonetheless. Uh, Cleveland are a complete another trash fire, and will probably have three quarterbacks, two quarterbacks. Who knows? More than one quarterback probably, uh, as they throw more than three picks. Uh, so same old, same old for Cleveland, I suppose. So yeah. Minnesota win. Party time. Uh, LA Chargers at New England. We've got New England across the board. Uh, Harry. Yeah, I mean, Chargers have won a couple of games by accident, but it doesn't really change the fact that they're still not a particularly good team. They're a team with bright spots, mm. but not cohesive. We saw from New England that things are starting to get a little bit better now on the defensive side, and the offense is still running extremely hot. So yeah, your defense looks a lot better. Yeah, this and the Chargers don't fare too well when they go across the country. No, so they don't. I, I'd be happy to pick New England fairly yeah, comfortably like, here. I'd, I'd, I'd be of the opinion, I think the Chargers... Think slightly more higher of the Chargers than I think you guys do, but I also don't think they stand a fucking snowball's chance in this one. Uh, Chicago at New Orleans, we've got New Orleans across the board. This is an interesting one. We've got New Orleans across the board. Uh, Chicago have had success with their yeah, let's definitely not pass the ball <laughs> approach. Um, but this is a New Orleans team that the defenses look good in, the offenses look very balanced. Uh, I, I, I'm just 
I'm much higher than I think Harry is anyway on this New Orleans team. But I also think that I think we both know that it's more of an aberration that Chicago have been hitting the success they have. Like we said, twelve completed passes, two victories so far. This is an offense that could go off against them, and this is not Chicago are not an offense when they're not going to pass the ball. They're going to find it particularly possible to keep pace with Carolina at Tampa Bay. Have gone Carolina across the board. Fits. Yeah, like Tampa Bay, as we mentioned, are a bit of a mess at the moment, particularly on the defense. Carolina have a frustrating offense, uh, but I think that they have the defense to kind of shut down Tampa Bay enough that they can score enough points. Uh, but like, yeah, neither of these teams are very convincing right now, but Carolina still look like overall they have more talent uh, and they're using their talent more effectively, so we'll give it to Carolina. Fair enough. Indianapolis at the Cincinnati Bengals. We've gone Cincinnati across the board. Jeez, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have thought that coming into the preseason. Uh, what do you reckon, Harry? Well, you might have because the Colts pretty fucking bad. Like that's true. <laughs> Indy are doing their best. They really are, but they're just not very good. Like we saw T. Y. Hilton have to apologise because after the game he said, "What is true but can't be said is that all the entire line is trash." Yeah, and he's going to get Jacoby Brissett killed like they got Andrew Luck killed. There's just a, a never-ending cycle of like despair and violence towards quarterbacks, and Cincinnati, like they really, really, really fucked up and played a really poor, sloppy game this week, and they are a sloppy team, but they should be good enough to beat Indy, and we have seen in the last few weeks a little more cohesiveness from Cincinnati. Uh, also, Vontaze Burfitt should be banned forever. Yeah, I was going to say, they've got a couple of tough hitters and dirty players in there. So if that line isn't going to hold up, then uh, I can imagine going to get some rough hits. Uh, next up, we've got Oakland-Buffalo. Uh, I've gone for Buffalo. Uh, Fitz has gone for Oakland and Harry's gone for Oakland. So Fitz, Oakland? Yeah, like to be honest, it's a bit of a pick against Buffalo. Like I know they made some scheme changes. It seemed to have worked somewhat against Buffalo. But they're just such a one-dimensional team that they're, they're not very interesting and that if another team could just key in and stop them doing the one thing they can do on offense, which is run the ball, they should be good enough to beat them. Whether Oakland have truly turned the corner is a big question, but I think we all want them to do so. So as much out of... No, we don't. Uh, <laughs> you keep well, picking against them. Kansas City Chiefs fans, uh, well, except for ASD West fans, I think we all want Oakland to be the team we expect them to. And if they do, they'll do it in a much more exciting way than Buffalo. Uh, it's going to be a close game because Buffalo have uh, have shown a lot of fight this season. But I think in the end, I think Oakland have turned the corner. They'll put together another good uh, performance and they'll start like getting eking their way back into the uh, playoff picture uh, yeah. with a big win on the road. Well, this is the thing. Like I've gone Buffalo here. I think Buffalo have shown good defense. They'll know what they need to drill for in this Oakland game. Uh, like they've got the weapons that match up well against Oakland and the big thing is Oakland are travelling across the entire fucking country to get to them like Oakland don't fare fantastically well when they travel that far so hopefully uh, this will work out nicely also Buffalo the home team so I'm going to side with them in that spot I think Oakland were able to exploit a weakness on the Chiefs last week rather than that being a necessary massive strength of Oakland full stop the Chiefs are dog shit at the moment in that secondary we've allowed multiple hundred and plus yard receivers Brown did the same etc and next up we have San Francisco Philly you've gone Philly across the board why because Philly look like they are set to be all the way into the playoffs and the San Francisco 49ers are in the hunt for the first overall pick pretty obvious and next up we've got Harry's game of the week uh, Atlanta New York Jets we've gone Atlanta across the board I was surprised Harry but as soon as I thought about it I was like actually yeah it's going to be a real important game it is Uh, it's a game with playoff implications this early in the season it's weird uh, because Atlanta have been kind of not very good for the last few weeks. 
Um, their offense has been really underpowered considering where it should be. Um, play calling has been atrocious. We're seeing talk, should Steve Sarkeesian be far? Yes, obviously, holy shit. Like, <laughs> the team has way too much talent to be playing like it is. They're 3-3. Three and three. They've dropped three games against the rest of the AFC East, which, again, like, you're dealing with a, a Miami team that is just all over the place, a Buffalo team that is extremely one-dimensional, albeit tough on defense, and then they just got handled by the Patriots, mm-hmm. made the Patriots defensive unit that isn't very good either, was able to effectively shut them down until Julio Jones just went, fuck it, and scored a touchdown all by himself after Matt Ryan had basically thrown an interception. Mm-hmm. Like, there is total dysfunction on the offense and that's what's cost them games the defense has been fine the offense has been absolutely all over the shop and that's what makes this interesting because the Jets defense is still quite good the Jets are fighting way harder than anyone thought they were going to fight this season mm-hmm. they are still um, you know sitting there at 3-4 and four, which isn't that bad they win this they can get back to 500 they've got the Dolphins and the Bills ahead of them who as we said are flaky this is a team that potentially can make a wild card run so they're going to be up for this kind of thing against a vulnerable side that's coming into their house. Mm-hmm. I have gone for Atlanta, but I think it's actually going to be quite close. I've gone for Atlanta because I think at the end of the day you do have to side with the team that does have more talent. Like for all the Jets' defense playing tough, their offense has been occasionally explosive but mostly invisible. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just gone missing for large stretches of games and you feel like that, that there could be a few turnovers in this one for the Falcons if, if their defense comes up and plays the right way. But right now, they the Giants need to win this to stay in touch. The Falcons, if you know, if the Saints and Panthers win this week, they don't want to drop two games behind. Uh, they need to win this to 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 really keep the pressure on it in their own division. And I think we're going to see a very tight game, both in terms of score, but in terms of how this is played. I think there's going to be a risk averse approach here mm-hmm. that isn't going to make this the most interesting game uh, to watch visually. But it's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out because the Falcons are going to need to change something. And I do wonder if, you know, this is a spot where they're going to want to, like, make sure they don't take any risks. But also, they need to do something different to win. Yeah. So what kind of approach they take is going to make this a very interesting game. Um, and I think this could be ugly and low scoring, surprisingly, given Atlanta's powerhouse. Unless mm-hmm. they, unless they, Atlanta figure something out overnight. Yeah. But I think that the implications make this one kind of fascinating. Yeah, no, 100%. I think it's going to be a very interesting one. Uh, next up, we have Houston at Seattle. This is my game of the week. Uh, I've gone for Houston, and Harry's gone for Houston, and Fitz has gone for Seattle. Uh, basically, I think this is big implications for both teams. This is a team that's going to, even though they've had injuries on that side of the ball, be able to challenge Seattle, given how their offensive line looks uh, and how empty it kind of looks at the moment. Uh, Houston have been a powerhouse on offense and it'll really test Seattle and some of these losses that they've had in their pass rush and things like that. Uh, also, the but one of the reasons for choosing Houston in this game is they're coming off a bye week. They've been able to prepare for this game, even though they're traveling, they are going to be well rested and well trained for this. Seattle have the potential as we were saying during Sunday when we were watching the games right? every time it looked like something was going bad so nope just wait for it here's some Russell Wilson bullshit and then he just throw a bullet for 35 yards to the corner and it would be just perfect so the problem is I still have that feeling in the back of my head that Seattle have looked good in certain spots but I've not been fully convinced it's been like they're slow, 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 and then they get a bit of move on, and then they thunder on. Or they're doing it, but it's taking longer than it should against a less good opponent. This is one where, even though Houston are less well-equipped than they would be if, you know, Watt and Mercedes and stuff were there for them, this is one where I think 
with them coming off a bye week, this will be a tough game. And if Seattle do this, I'll be very impressed with them. But I just have a feeling that the edge, like just just look at how many touchdowns they're throwing. It's hard for Seattle to, to, to compete with that, I think. But it should be a very exciting game, and I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, next up, we have Dallas and Washington. I've gone Dallas. Fitz has gone Washington, and Harry has gone Dallas. So, uh, Fitz, why Washington? Dallas, they have finally put together like a good offensive showing, uh, or like they put together a dominant showing against the 49ers there last week. Washington, they had a close game. Uh, well, they kind of brought it close a bit at the end against Philadelphia. I think it's just they're at home. I think the NFCs, they just have a habit of knocking each other off. Uh, with the exception of the Eagles, I don't think. I think the other three teams, well, I think these two teams are kind of evenly matched. So at this point, I think it's a marginal call between the two. And I think Washington, I think Kirk Cousins is playing well. He's making the best of what he has. Dallas, despite all the issues they have, I still don't really trust them on a week to week basis. Um, so I just have a, you know, even though Washington probably have less talented, I just kind of have more, uh, more confidence in their solidity at home to mm. kind of get something done. It's just NFCs; we don't really know what's going to happen, but uh, I think we'll just take Washington at home. Yeah, uh, Harry, why Dallas? Yeah, um, like this is going to be a close one. It's going to be an interesting one for me. The the edge is to Dallas because what we saw in again against the Eagles, Washington initially started out looking really good and then crumbled as the game went on. And part of that was injuries to the O line. Um, Trent Williams is gone Morgan Moses I think is potentially out that's not good um, and Dallas for all of their problems have started getting a bit of a, a bit of a pass rush going to be honest with you over the last little while um, guys like Demarcus Lawrence and uh, Tyron Crawford have actually started to have an impact in games now and Washington I think are a bit depleted they're still struggling in the receiving game relying an awful lot on Chris Thompson um, they haven't really been able to get Terrell Pryor going. Josh Dobson has looked patchy. Jamison Crowder has been absolutely invisible this season. They're like, oh, it's on three tight ends to see what happens. I'm not convinced. Not Josh Norman on the defense as well. I'm, I'm concerned. So I just think Dallas have the talent, particularly with those O-line injuries in Washington, and should be able to gut this one out. Mm. They looked, actually, they looked to really be getting stuff rolling last week is, uh, is the one thing that's sticking in my head. Uh, next up, we have Roland's game of the week. It's Pittsburgh at Detroit. I've gone Pittsburgh, and the two of you guys have gone Detroit. So Roland, tell us a little bit about this game. Yeah, like it's kind of like looking at two teams that I think we, we kind of all expect should be in the hunt uh, for the playoffs and perhaps beyond, depending how things roll on for them. In Pittsburgh, we've seen just over the last few weeks a redefinition of them. They've gone basically full left bell on the offense, like they're rushing him to death. And obviously there are just major questions now over uh, whether Lev Bell can basically stand up. And it makes sense from a contractual point of view. Obviously they have him on a on a franchise tag right now, so they don't really need to keep him necessarily if they don't believe they're going to pay him the money he wants. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see how that develops over the course of the season. I think specifically within this, within this game, Detroit have been solid this season, uh, which is strange to talk about because it's Detroit. Um, and Matt Stafford continues to show the kind of like that he is a you know franchise quarterback under Jim Bob Cooter uh, in Detroit. Uh, the defense has stiffened up a little bit. Uh, and seems to be doing okay. And you know, it's it's one of those games that you know Detroit are at home. We know that if Detroit is in the game in the fourth quarter, they have always that chance of coming back and blowing a team away. And I think Pittsburgh, they've certainly shown growth after. Uh, uh, they've certainly shown growth on the defense and the offense. But I just have worries that you know Ben Roethlisberger. There's so many question marks over him right now, and whether if they do get behind, if they can't just rely on Bell, can he actually still get it done? against this Detroit uh, defense, especially this Detroit secondary, uh, to a sufficient degree to actually grind it out. 
So I think this is a good game between two teams that I think have definite flaws but also have definite strengths. And I'll be interested to see like who of these can actually do get it done at this point. I could, I could definitely see why you would pick Pittsburgh, Connor, like, especially since they beat your guys. Uh, yeah, you, didn't think, you, didn't, you didn't take my strategy, which is take revenge against them, uh, revenge picks. But anyway, uh, like I can definitely see why it is, but I just have worries that that Lev Bell focus that that can't work forever. Obviously, I'll probably end up getting proven wrong in this case, but uh, in this case, I give it to Detroit at home, uh, assuming that Matt Stafford's injury has not uh, has not like exacerbated over the course yeah. of the uh, bye. Uh, if Matt Stafford's healthy, I'll just give them the edge. Uh, just about believe me I'd love to I'd love to be picking Detroit in this one it's just like I said I have nowhere near the faith that you guys have in this Lions team uh, final one up we have Denver at Kansas City uh, we've taken Kansas City across the board uh, I suppose fuck it to be paying the arse if we drop three I suppose <laughs> my thinking um, Denver looked weak against the Chargers last week uh, they don't really have the versatility on offense to exploit our weaknesses on defense. <laughs> Denver didn't look weak. Denver looked like they needed a trip to the glue factory. Like, <laughs> the last two weeks from Denver have been two of the most singularly depressing non-Browns performances I've seen this year. There have been some chats, and I don't think they're the stupidest ideas in the world, of they should break out Brock Osweiler for this game. That is the stupidest idea in the world. I don't no, think it is. No, second stupidest, Paxton Lynch. Yeah, but like, well, this is the thing, like, they're, they're getting shite out of their current setup, so why not put a tall guy who might be a little bit more difficult to <laughs> spot? Your argument is literally, we should start Brock Osweiler because he's tall. Well, look, what what do they have to go on I on mean, the offense he here? He gave him $87 million of being tall, so I guess... Yeah. But, to uh, be fair, like, Brock Osweiler's game is basically passing it five yards to the tight end if he does that, it's hard to sack him because the ball's already gone. So yeah. Also, <laughs> he's been to the playoffs twice uh, by <laughs> accident. Tebow, to be honest, <laughs> <laughs> like, doesn't this tell you everything about the quarterback situation? That right now, in week seven of the season, we are sitting here and fucking seriously discussing starting Brock Osweiler. Yeah. Well, this is the thing. I think. I think if they if they have as poor a performance out of their team. In this game, especially given that Kansas City are not working with a full deck on defense at the moment, if they cannot get anything going, then I think that is going to be the end of the experiment that they currently have there. So we'll see. KC across the board, I could see this going badly. Denver, while they've played like shite, have a tendency to play to the level of the team they're playing, and they might play up against us because this is a in division game. It's very important because this will put more separation between us if we got it. Uh, but yeah. So we will leave it at that. So uh, any other crack yourselves, lads? Any plans for the weekend? This was spooky Halloween times. Oh yeah, it is. No, I'm working on the bank holiday. Um, I'll be out on Friday. Oh, very good. But I'm working the bank holiday, so you know yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah fair enough. Like I think uh, I've got a few bits and pieces. I've got the car, so I'm going to uh, pop out for a walk one of the days. Maybe go up to Hellfire Club or something like that. Very which nice. Would be nice. And then uh, we'll do. Uh, I don't know, maybe some, maybe some horror films one of the days or some shit. Uh, we'll figure, figure something out. Because uh, I've got a gig on the Tuesday. So we'll actually be recording this a day later next week. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, or a day earlier. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how it works out, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, what are yourself, Fitz? Any Halloween plans? Uh, nothing major. Like, if you're in Cork, usually you do the Jazz Festival, which is on the Bank Holiday mm. weekend. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, the only other thing I've noticed this week is... Uh, on Reddit, the NFL Reddit is the they're they're one center away from putting together the best IR only team of all time. Oh uh, wow! <laughs> we must uh, uh, keep an eye on that because if, if if that comes through this weekend, then we'll do a, we'll do an announcement of the best IR team, and then we can see how it would stack up against a Greybeards team of retired players. No, they would 
they would trash the Grey Beard. They would probably <laughs> yeah, win the 60. Super Bowl. Uh, to give you a, a no, 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 because we're going to have retired people playing against the injured players while they're injured. So then it's a bit more of a fair fight. <laughs> this should be a side event for the Pro Bowl. Pro Bowl hype. <laughs> but yeah, no, that sounds good. So we'll make some plans and we'll get some stuff. Uh, as always, send in your questions on email, Twitter, Pornhub, Snapchat, uh, all that kind of stuff. Pardon? Or Instagram. Yeah, Instagram. <laughs> I don't know. I've always said that Instagram sounds like a thing for like ordering drugs online. Oh. <laughs> Don't you love working in this fancy new media? I can't say anything to my employer. I can't I say know. anything. Uh, <laughs> but no, uh, that's a good fun. So, uh, so that's advice for myself, advice for Harry. Goodbye. Advice for Roland. Bye. It's been all four quarters. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next week.